0: Welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never
1: dies. I am one of your hosts, Ms. Velma. I'm the other host, Mr. Craig He is, and
0: tonight it is, once again, a Friday the 13th, which Mm. means we are uh, chugging along on our series of Friday the 13th, on Friday the 13th. Tonight we have Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives. It's very exciting. We're over halfway, no, are we halfway through? How many are there? Fourteen? There's twelve. Twelve. So we're halfway through.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's weird. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think it's because we had two years last year I think we had three Friday the thirteenth.
1: Yeah. And there then
0: were last year. This year we have two, and then I think next year we have two.
1: That's right. So yeah, we're we're <clears throat> we're moving along pretty good.
0: Yeah. Um Neil deGrasse Tyson had a tweet <clears throat> last Friday. Where he was like, okay, but Friday the 6th are just as rare as Friday the 13th, but nobody ever talks about them. And I was like, yeah, because to have a Friday the 13th, you would have to have a Friday the 6th. That's how math works.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And there are not cultural associations
0: with the 6th. I was like, I get it. You're like an astrophysicist. You're very smart, but like you don't need to try and dunk on people. Uh, Constantly. Yeah. like that, like, like actually agitated me, and I was like, "Yeah, Sunday the firsts are also just as
1: rare, just as rare." Jeez, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Neil, we're coming for you.
0: Neil, I got to. I got his. Colleen got me his book. Did she? Yeah, for uh, Christmas.
1: Oh. <clears throat> Shout out to her for operating our Tumblr page.
0: Yes, yes, keeping it, keeping it going. Um, but yes, we are doing, um, part six tonight. Jason lives chugging along in the midst of, um, it's interesting that every single apocalypse scenario is happening at once.
1: Yeah. 2020 does seem to be the year of that, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Cause we've got plague. We've plague. got the,
1: the earth's is... nuclear war,
0: threat of yeah. nuclear war, um, dystopian dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Um, the earth is on fire.
1: The earth is on fire.
0: So I'm waiting for the asteroid, the alien invasion.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, yeah, we're uh, just checking all of those boxes.
0: So, yeah, I mean, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, is but it? It, is it, is it? In the midst of that, though, we will watch um, some nice slashery, high drama, unrealistic Death and destruction in the form of um, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. But first, we're going to do some horror headlines.
1: Yeah. Let's rock and roll. What do you got? Uh, Well, today, Friday the 13th, uh, The Hunt is released in theaters uh, nationwide. Uh, We mentioned it briefly in our last episode, and if you haven't been following... The story, The Hunt, is a movie that was supposed to release last year but was um, delayed by the studios because of massive backlash and is finally seeing the light of day. It is a most dangerous game type movie in which I believe conservative-leaning individuals are hunted like animals by liberal elites. Love it. The movie is... um, a horror comedy political satire that supposedly takes shots equally at both sides and is basically, I think I haven't seen it yet, obviously meant to be a commentary on how fucked up it all is across the spectrum. And I, for one, am incredibly excited to see it. Yes. (laughs) I actually,
0: I I purposefully choose my uh, movies on like, Oh, would Trump hate this?
1: (laughs) Yeah, have you have you seen any of the reviews from the screeners or anything? I haven't. I have not one. Um, my uh, editor Matt over at Killer Horror Critic got a screener. He was able to see it, and um, he didn't give too much away other than saying that he's going to post his review and then like put his Twitter on mute for the day. Um, and I was like, oh boy. That's uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I'm just as excited to see the discussions and the reviews and the commentary around the hunt as I am to see the movie itself. Um, horror Twitter and horror social media and the horror community in general tends to be a very loving and accepting place. But we do have our buttons. <laughs> so I'm curious to see if this movie will push any of them. Mm-hmm. So that's that's big on the radar for me right now. How mm. about you?
0: <clears throat> um still very excited for um The Green Knight. Um mm. is it Saint Maud is also coming out soon. Oh yes, that's awesome. Yes, and I was proud of myself watching this. I was like, I'm getting major carry vibes. And the first thing I saw in like the Twitter sphere was somebody being like, Oh, it evokes Carrie and all this stuff, and I was like, <laughs> Yes. yes. I'm. It's like I'm one of those people in, um, like diners, drive-ins, and dives, who suddenly become like food experts for a second when somebody is like, "Oh, what do you think?" And they're like, "It's just so juicy and tender, and like yeah, yeah, yada yada." Like, beautiful. that's how I felt for a minute. I was like, "Oh, it evokes Carrie." And then like experts were like, "It evokes Carrie." And I was like, "Oh, I knew it."
1: And you were like, mm, "I've
0: been there." But um, yeah, Saint Maude is an interesting. If you guys haven't watched the trailer, I think it dropped last week. Um, but basically it appears to be this woman who is a caretaker, um, for somebody who is in some way like chronically ill, um, like starts to develop like a very unhealthy attachment to her, her care, um, her, her care, carry, um, Carrie, her carry, um, <laughs>
1: All the while, I'll, I'll see myself out,
0: <laughs> and we're done. Um, all the while um, seems to be having some sort of psychological, you know, that psycho supernatural type thing going on. So, but uh, no, it looks it looks
1: interesting. So pretty, yeah, it looks really good. Pretty good. Um, for that. Just... Come out, bro. Or a little, a little bit later? Let's find it. I can't remember.
0: I think it comes out in the summer.
1: Oh, in the summer. Okay. What am I thinking?
0: Of? Oh, no. It's telling me it's coming out in April. April 10th.
1: And oh, then, then I was right. Um, and then
0: Sir Sir Queen. The Green Knight and Sir Queen comes out, Um. I think, in May. In May. Okay. <clears throat> so that's good.
1: Yeah, those both look really good. Oh. oh, and PSA, for those that didn't get a chance to see it in theaters, Color Out of Space mm. is now EOD.
0: What is it on? Amazon. Oh, great.
1: I think it's like a $5 rental right now. Oh, well, I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: That's yeah, those are, those are the things I'm excited about. Um, I haven't been reading too much. I actually read Carmilla <clears throat> for a—it's uh, on the DL project, but
1: mm-hmm. you've read it before, yes? No, I've read it.
0: I had to read it at Pitt, so take you know, consider that reading.
1: Sure, that's like just, a diff- that's a different kind of
0: yeah. This time, I actually had to take notes and stuff. Reading something—that's a, that's a secret though. I can tell you. I'll tell you later.
1: Just like just tell all the listeners and. <laughs> Pinky swear. <laughs> yes, everyone
0: pinky swear together. Everyone, we have to touch pinkies.
1: We're just going to touch tips, though.
0: In, in this climate. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it's Wash fun stuff. for 20 seconds. <laughs> you know what's funny is, so, <clears throat> first of all, I'm shocked. <clears throat> I went to a soccer game on Sunday. Was For sure I thought it was going to be canceled. Yeah. Went anyway um met our good friend Brittany I went to meet her she was having brunch in a restaurant so I met her in the restaurant like they had already had brunch they were finishing up and while I was there I was like oh I'll go to the bathroom before getting into the stadium where everyone's going to be going to the bathroom mm-hmm. so I'm in the bathroom and Smart. I pee and at the point that it is too late I realize there's no toilet paper <gasps> in the thing oh no and you were was- like in pee yeah so i was like okay what do i do and there was one other person in the bathroom i was like okay when that person leaves i will just quickly make a shuffle like i will pull my pants up like not like be a freak but i will quickly shuffle into the next stall and deal with it there however (laughs) this person gets out i'm like oh great the toilet's flushing they're almost done and they go to wash their hands and i was like fuck they're gonna be washing their hands for
1: 40 minutes
0: because yeah. she just kept going with the hand washing I was like oh my god this would happen during like a fucking plague
1: um I'm just imagining you like suddenly hear her being like you know like happy birthday to you. I, know, right? <laughs> I was like
0: god oh, damn it it was during this time when she was taking 10 years to wash her hands that I realized that there was an extra toilet paper like on the tank or whatever it's just nobody had put it on the the thing yet.
1: Whoever before you was
0: a huge fan. Yeah. So I was just like, come on! (laughs) Anyway. Uh,
1: But then we didn't... You didn't get to shuffle.
0: No, I didn't. Um, I didn't get to quickly kind of half-ass pull up my pants and shuffle (laughs) into the next (laughs) stall.
1: I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad for you.
0: Yeah. But it was just so funny because my thought was, oh, fuck, like, they're going to be washing their hands for forever.
1: that is totally like the moment if you were in a horror movie where you would have been killed. Yeah. Because as we've talked about, like for some reason, only in horror do we constantly see people going to the bathroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And spending excessive amount of time in there.
1: Excessive amount of time in the bathroom. So, but you made it. Yeah. And so here we are. (laughs) And so here we are, and um, I think we're ready to move into the main portion of our episode and Mm -hmm. talk about Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, Um, which, as you may have gleaned from the title, is the sixth installment in the Friday the 13th slasher franchise. Mm -hmm. It was written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. Uh, who before this had directed a very well-received horror film called One Dark Night, And then after this, uh, he did Sometimes They Come Back um, in 1991, probably the other thing he's most known for. And then things, I don't want to say tanked, but like, um,
0: I don't use such strong language.
1: Yeah, he's got a lot of, like, what I think are, like, um, directed, like, TV movies, um, which is fine. <laughs> if he's fine with it, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, and he hasn't directed anything since 2010. Um, maybe he's retired. Who's to say? Anywho... Uh, this movie was uh, released in, on August first, nineteen eighty-six. It had a budget of three million dollars, and it made nineteen point four million at the box office. Nice. So yeah, decent overall gross. Um, this film actually did fairly well uh, critically as well. It was um, the first in a good while to uh, get a lot of praise from the professional circuit, um, particularly in regards to, uh, the self-referential humor that gets put in here, um, and breaking the fourth wall. That's actually like, I don't like that a lot about this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess critically it was enjoyed at the time. Uh, a couple other things about this movie. It is the first movie where Jason now becomes um, a bona fide supernatural superhuman force. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he is very clearly now, for the first time in the franchise, undead. Um, and he, this is the state that he remains in for uh, the following six movies. Um, This is the first Friday the 13th movie that incorporates, uh, traditional action film sequences. There are shootouts and car chases and, um, lots of fire, uh, for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And it is, um, additionally the final film to feature, uh, Tommy Jarvis. Um, our young protagonist from Friday the 13th, part four, where he was played by Corey Feldman um, as a teenager in Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning where he was played by John Shepard. And in this film, he is played by uh, Tom Matthews, who um, many people will know from Return of the Living Dead. Um, and I, I guess he's like still a teenager in this movie. I think it's set... <laughs> a couple years after a new beginning.
0: Um, It is, but like... Yeah, I guess it must be, because it's like... I don't know. He's still in sort of (laughs) psychiatric care,
1: I think. That's the beginning. It's... They don't really care, I think, about the timeline. As we mentioned in the last episode. Yeah. They just do whatever the hell they want. So, some further notes about the film... Um, part five did well financially, but it was not well received by, um, critics or most of the fans of the series. Um, they trashed it, didn't like the direction it was going, did not like the absence of Jason. And this, uh, really put a B in Paramount's bonnet. They were afraid that. Um, if they continued along the path that they had originally intended for the franchise in which Tommy would take over um, as the killer, sort of as implied by the end of the previous installment that uh, fans would continue um, jumping ship. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, let's steer things back to what we know they liked. And it was at this point that uh, executive producer Frank Mancuso hired Tom McLaughlin, um, who was getting a lot of attention for One Dark Night, And um, they said, you can pretty much do whatever you want with this movie. The only thing is you have to bring Jason back from the dead, and he has to be the film's antagonist again. No hidden killer, it's not Tommy, all of those things. So McLaughlin um, was like, cool, great, I'm going to take a Frankenstein angle to things. That was one of his favorite movies um, The original 1931 And We see that I think In, in the whole idea of the um, The lumbering Kind of yeah, yeah a killer brought to Or a monster rather Brought to life because of electricity And um,
0: That in the Teenage Frankenstein uh, Bit in the <laughs> RV In
1: the RV the yeah, Alice Cooper. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, pulling from old monster lore, that's kind of where the idea came from about how uh Jason would come back to life. Um and uh McLaughlin also retcons a lot from the previously established timeline and canon from the first 5 films. I think we see that most in like this whole idea that Jason has to be bound at the bottom of crystal lake Mm -hmm. to stop him because that's where he drowned even though he didn't drown as a child because he grew up in the woods
0: i don't know it's listen we don't poke holes
1: listen Um, we don't
0: we don't poke holes i think that part two was like going back to the the universal monsters thing was um Also meant to be a call out to, like, Dracula, where in Dracula you had to return him or deprive him of his... You have to put him in his home soil. That's the only way you can kill him or trap him. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. So, like, in Dracula, at the end, they travel to Transylvania um, because the uh, only way to, like, truly do in um, Dracula was, I believe, to stake him in his coffin of dirt.
1: Right, from, and he um, has to bring
0: yeah, soil he had, to, and he from, brought from his, he had to bring his soil to London exactly. so that he could like, sleep around. there and stuff. Yeah. So like that was, I believe, the idea behind that was like, oh, oh. he has to be returned to to his you know his turf, basically, yeah, and to be locked away,
1: and to be locked away. Oh yeah, I definitely see that. Okay, so we yes, yeah, so we've got McLaughlin, and he's drawing from lots of the old Universal monster lore and culture, which is kind of interesting, like um to bring that into like a more contemporary slasher Mm -hmm. that's cool
0: it does make it confusing though because it's like oh he grew up in he didn't grow up in the woods he was dead the whole time
1: (laughs) right yeah yeah it's just yeah because then when you you're making things not jive with what we've previously learned about the character you're like well he drowned like but he didn't drown yeah but you know um but hey whatever um, this film also is the first in the franchise where we start seeing that self-referential and that like postmodern meta humor, um, that would eventually really take off, of course, in the mid nineties, um, with Scream and I know what you did last summer, New Nightmare. Um, New Nightmare. Yeah. We see this when, uh, Lizbeth makes a remark about, uh, well, I, I know I've seen enough horror films to know that that guy's not good or whatever the line is. I can't remember. Um, Martin, the harbinger of doom breaks the fourth wall when he's putting the dirt back on Jason's grave, which that really bothers me. I don't know why, but it does. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are other gothic influences in the film as well. Um, also, interestingly, this is the only Friday the 13th film, apparently, I didn't know this until I was, I rewatched and was taking notes and stuff, that this is the only Friday the 13th film to directly reference God. Mm-hmm. Um, when the little girl is praying. Yeah, I,
0: do, I did think that was weird when she was like, oh, I say a prayer.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she's like, now I let me down to sleep. When Jason's like, slowly leaning over her <laughs> um, and evidently that was something important to McLaughlin. And he wanted to, um, there was supposed to be an additional reference about prayer at the end when all the kids are watching. Um, what's your face? Who's the Megan? Yes. With Tommy CPR, which she's doing wrongly, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I, that I think that same little girl was also supposed to be praying that he would live, and then like
0: mm-hmm.
1: he coughs up the water or whatever, and she's like, and she says thank you to God, but it got cut. Um so that's so that's cute, it. <laughs> cute. cute, cute, cute. Um, let's see. We talked about how Tommy was recast. Um, This mostly had to do with the fact that everybody from New Beginning had their contracts terminated after the um, bad reviews and people being like, what the hell are you doing to the franchise? So Jennifer Cook was cast um, because she fit the, the, the description of being a very attractive blonde to play the final girl, which was the only... Um, description that the studio gave essentially for her character. Um, most of the people in this movie were coming from the world of TV, which I think is evident in their acting styles. This movie is very sitcom-y, I think. Um Oh, and McLaughlin's wife, Nancy, plays uh, Elizabeth. Cute. Killed in the first scene. So that's a rundown of the pre-production and a little bit about the cast. Um, Shall we say what the movie's about? Yeah, we can dive right in. Cool. Why don't you get us started, Miss Mel?
0: Yes. So, on a dark and stormy night. Um Tommy Jarvis, uh, who you'll remember was supposed to be the new killer at the end of the last movie. Um which evidently that sort of scene was retconned to be a dream in one of the video games.
1: What okay. Yeah. So, I mean It is not addressed at all in this movie. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. yeah. Yeah. So whatever you thought about that, it was a dream. Um <laughs> So anyway, Tommy Jarvis is driving out with a a guy who I guess is like a fellow patient at another psychiatric institute. Like he says something along the lines of, oh, we're not supposed to be out after hours or something like that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I guess we assume that they were friends inside. That character, by the way, I don't remember the character's name. Is it Larry? Larry. It might be Larry. Larry. Um, but he was played by Ron Palillo, who was. Uh, no, it was um, Alan. Alan. Alan is played by Ron Palillo, who um, a lot of people who are into 80s culture will know was on Welcome Back, Hotter.
0: Yes. Yes, yes. yes. So anyway, they're driving um, because Tommy. <laughs> this is an aggressive opening to a movie. Tommy is like screaming that he has to go to Jason's grave and. do something there and you know his friend alan's with him and like i think he just thinks it's kind of like a joke to like break curfew or whatever they get there and tommy starts digging up the grave um and um alan's like what what do you this is this is this is more than than what i thought and you know it's raining and storming and and um tommy finally Opens up, you know, he gets the, he digs fast. He finally gets down to the grave, opens up the casket and, um, you know, Alan's like, let's go, let's go. And instead he jumps down there and just starts hacking away at Jason and like freaking out. Um, and you know, he's, he's got a lot of issues. Um, and basically I guess his goal here is he wants to cremate the body. Like he thinks that he's going to essentially grave Rob (laughs) And, and lighted a fire um but um during the his sort of episode here he has like sort of a flashback to like when he was a kid and he was you know stabbing jason and freaking out um and basically at this point a lightning bolt come <laughs> down comes down and strikes jason <laughs> reviving him um and his body, you know, pops out of the the grave, and he goes over to, um, Alan, and he kills Alan, um, by just, like, punching his chest out or something.
1: It's, like, the most, like, fucking, like, karate kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, he just, like, punches his heart right out of his chest. <laughs> um, and he grabs the hockey mask that, for some reason, Tommy had brought with him, that Tommy had, um...
1: Okay, isn't that, like, police evidence?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, Tommy escapes, like, Tommy takes off, um, and Jason starts lumbering about. Uh, and where does, where does Tommy head off to?
1: So, Tommy heads into the local town of Forest Green, which we learn is actually crystal lake, but it's been renamed in order to erase... And try to help the community move on from the tragedy surrounding Jason Voorhees and his various murder sprees. Mm-hmm. So Tommy goes straight to the sheriff of Forest Green, whose name is Mike Garris. And he's like, here's what's up. Here's what just happened. Jason Voorhees is alive. What you need to do is take care come of with him. Kill him. <laughs> right. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he
0: doesn't really have a plan.
1: Yeah, he's just sort of, like, freaking out. I guess
0: maybe his plan the whole time was to do the water thing. He just was not clear about it until the end. Like, maybe now that it's, like, it's never clear that when, how he comes to that conclusion that he needs to do that.
1: There's that one quick shot of him, like, reading books in the car. And I'm like, is that? supposed to be like him coming up with a plan. I don't know. This is a um who says it? I think that this as the, on the screen Queens podcast they want to say this is a this one bitch movie. No. Because none of the shit that would have like nothing in this movie would have happened. None of these people would have died except for this one bitch, Tommy Jarvis. It is his fault entirely that Jason is back in action. <laughs> um so yeah, so I who are no one knows exactly what he's intending the sheriff to do, but he is informing the authorities. Um, and they're like, or we find out that Sheriff Garris knows who Tommy is. He knows Tommy's past that he's been institutionalized. And he, I mean, as any sane person would does not believe Tommy's story. Hmm. And so I'm not entirely sure under what pretense, but he locks him up for the night. I
0: think he thinks that he's, like, disturbing the peace or something.
1: Yeah. I, or he I just, just
0: doesn't. I, it's more likely that he just doesn't like him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, we're not doing this right now. Um, And so, sure. And Tommy's upset, and he's, you know, giving his spiel about how they're wasting time, and this is going to lead to people dying. Whatever. Yeah. Now, cut to um, our side our, our secondary story, naturally, since this is a Friday the thirteenth movie, Camp Crystal Lake, which I assume is now Camp Forest Green, yeah. is which red-
0: a <gasps> fucking stupid
1: name. Yeah, this is such a
0: stupid name? Forest Green.
1: Apparently they got it because um the, like, campground where they filmed down in Georgia, mm-hmm. there were all these, like, signs in the surrounding area saying, keep our forest green. So they were, like, boom.
0: They were, like, oh, this magical thing that no one would ever think of, a green forest.
1: Yeah. It's whatever. It's fine. I'm over it. <laughs> Are you, though? <laughs> um, so, yes, the camp is being reopened, and we're cutting to our senior counselors Darren and Elizabeth who are on their way to the campgrounds but they've gotten lost and um this this scene is 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 like a pretty good scene yes Like, like they're both pretty likable particularly Elizabeth I feel like her stuff about like um watching the horror movies and when he's like we're gonna scare him. And she's like, You're gonna scare him? Yeah. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um But yeah, while they're trying to find their bearings, they're confronted by uh spear wielding Jason.
0: He has like a metal
1: pole or something. Yeah, like. he has like the metal pole from whatever it was that Tommy was beating him with. Um and Darren does some stupid shit about trying to scare Jason instead of just driving away and he's killed. And, uh, Elizabeth scrambles out of the car and offers Jason money not to kill her. What if
0: he did? What if that worked?
1: (laughs) Right. What if that was the thing? Like all along, he just needed some cash. Um, and then she's impaled through the head by the rod. Um, which dispatches our senior counselors cut to the next morning back in the sheriff's station. Mm -hmm. We see the arrival of, uh, counselors, Paula court, Sissy and Megan. Paula is, uh, Elizabeth's younger sister. And Megan is the daughter of Sheriff Garris. And they are here to report that Darren and Elizabeth did not arrive as scheduled to the camp last night. And the campers, the kids who are coming, will be arriving that morning or afternoon, whatever. And so they're like, what the hell? We need our senior counselors. So while they're there, Tommy, who is still locked up in his cell, uh, tells them he's pretty sure what happened to their friends and tells them the story about Jason and warns them about reopening the camp. However, because of the weird floating timeline of this franchise, (laughs) (laughs) Jason Voorhees is no longer regarded as a actual person and his crimes are not taken as fact in this community anymore. He's seen as an urban legend. So Tommy's warnings are brushed off. Um, But Megan, Garris, daughter of the sheriff, um, really wants Tommy's dick. Yes. So she's at least feigning interest in listening to the (laughs) Jake story. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Sheriff Garris is like, he's crazy. Get the hell out of here. And so they do, and no one ever really circles back to Darren and Elizabeth being missing.
0: No. Yeah, no one... Yeah, like, later they find their bodies, but I think at that point everyone has moved on.
1: Yeah, everyone's like,
0: okay, bye. <laughs>
1: um, What happens next?
0: Okay, so there's, like, this strange corporate... <laughs> So in the middle, also, of Camp Forest Green, it's unclear whether this is part of the children's camp (laughs) or it's just this group of people who have taken over this section of the forest. But these, like, three people, presumably there are others out in the woods.
1: I do not with this scene. It is (laughs) (laughs) shtick.
0: They're having, like, a corporate, like, event that is paintball. (laughs) Like, the first time you see them, you think, like, are they exterminate are they hunters are they exterminators like what are they doing now they're just they yeah, this that, happens for five minutes like and
1: legit camo
0: yeah they're in legit camo they have like like utility belts they've got like goggles on um and anyway these three people like this woman pops up and shoots her co-workers with paintballs and they're like oh my god i thought so and so got you and she's like oh no paint Um, And then they talk about going to find other people. And in the midst of this, they are attacked by Jason. No one ever talks about them. No one ever asks about them. No one ever mentions that this corporate outing was happening.
1: We never find their bodies. (laughs) Their bodies
0: are never found. (laughs) No reference. The scene, for all intents and purposes, just maybe didn't even happen. It may have been a group hallucination. It may have taken place in a different timeline. We don't even know if it was in Forest Green.
1: Right? What if life is like completely? Like for stuff?
0: all I know, this could have been like Oakland, California. <laughs> Nothing about this scene ties it to the rest of the movie except it's for weird. the fact that Jason
1: shows up and kills these people. That's the only thing that connects this thing. <sighs> so and then it's like Okay, so like I there is something that I found that may slightly explain this, but just to like just to shit on it a bit more mm. like, It's just this thing where like I think we we started seeing it like in part five with um what was the name of like the random family that had nothing to do with anything.
0: Oh yeah, the next door neighbors or whatever. Yeah.
1: Um and then we see it a lot in this movie, particularly with the executives. Um <laughs> the corporate executives. The corporate
0: executives. I bet you that's how they're like on the credits too. <laughs>
1: Where yeah, if they have names, they're never spoken. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, where like, Friday the 13th start, does, starts doing this thing where we've got, like, our main set of characters. And then, like, there's this random assortment. There's just, like, this parade of people <laughs> that come in for one scene and then they die. <laughs> it's, like, this conveyor belt of death. just to, like, up the body count. And there's really, like Miss Mel said, like, there's nothing that connects them to the rest of the story. There's no sense that, like, it's taking place in the same world, even, (laughs) aside from Jason's presence. And, like, I... Like, no
0: one even says, like, oh, yeah, that corporate event happening this weekend.
1: (laughs) Right? Like, not even a throwaway line from, like, the deputy or anything. Like, nothing. And it's, like... (laughs) Why, why, and oh my God, the triple decapitation, yes,
0: yeah, so the thing I guess about this scene They're is that the same height, Jason discovers he's very strong now,
1: <laughs> Yo,
0: because he's ripping limbs off, um, and he, I guess he takes their stuff, but he doesn't take their guns or anything,
1: no, he takes. The one guy has a machete.
0: Yes. Yes. He has a machete on his utility belt, as I said. Yeah. So these people exist to die so that Jason can
1: take their things. And he takes their things And move on. And move on. Um, So here's... Oh, sorry. Well, no. That's... (laughs) That's... Yeah. So this may shed some light for us chatterers. So... Um the role of Jason in this movie was originally filled by a stunt man named Dan Bradley. Um, and that was tradition in the, um, the history of the franchise at this point, uh, to give the role of Jason to a stunt person just because of the physicality that's involved. Um, and also, as we know, Jason doesn't say anything. Um, so it's just, it's just body acting. It's just physical acting, mm-hmm. but, Um, this paintball scene was evidently like the very first thing that was filmed and, um, after, uh, it was put together and the reels were sent over to Frank Mancuso, uh, the the head producer, he was like, eh, not really jiving with Bradley as Jason. I don't know why or how, (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: if anything else, like, this scene is so distracting that I think, like, any sort of fault in his body acting could have been overlooked.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I guess it looks like a decision was made that the role would be recast. And it went to a performer named C.J. Graham who um, was not, as far as I can tell, a professional actor, at least at this point. He was the manager of a local restaurant that um, did, like, sketch shows and, like, comedy acts and magic acts, and he would, like, help out in them. And I guess in one of these acts, he played Jason. And he was, like, a big guy, obviously. Hmm. And he was... Seen scene by members of the production at one point. So this local guy was brought in to replace Bradley as Jason, but they still kept the people the scene. that's <laughs> just because it had been filmed and people had worked on it and people had been paid to film that scene. I don't know. Um, but they kept it. So I, I guess, that's, I don't know if that's an explanation, but
0: <laughs> it adds some color. It doesn't, ex- explain much but (laughs) it it adds something to the lore so anyway these Um, these executives are killed um they they're ripped apart there's a lot of limb ripping in this episode in this episode in this movie um but the kids arrive elsewhere away from the paintball game um the children arrive at camp um and uh the counselors who are there like are like okay like let's just truck along without, without Darren and Elizabeth. Um, and you know, it's typical teenage stuff. Like Court is very much like the late eighties, almost early nineties teenager. He's always got like his headphones around his neck. Um, Sissy, I think kind of takes a little bit of control. Um, or maybe it's Paula. Um, but yeah, they try to basically, they're like, all right, we're going to run this as, as best we can without them. Um, Tommy um, is removed from jail um, because Garris just doesn't like him and also I don't think he can hold him for longer than 24 hours or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Tommy tries to, make, makes an attempt to, to take the sheriff, like to make him go over to Jason's grave and at this point the caretaker, like the grave digger or whatever who takes care of the cemetery has already like, covered it back up because I guess he's sort of used to people like vandalizing Jason's grave. So he's covered it back up. Um And
1: you see that he drank from an empty whiskey bottle. Yes.
0: <laughs> Very <laughs> aggressively. Um But yes. Yeah, so um he tries to tell the sheriff to dig up the grave that he won't, that there won't be a body in the casket and they just shove him along. Um, they handcuff him and they're basically going to like escort him like out of town, like get him out. Um, and tell him like not to come back. Um, and then night falls.
1: Oh, what happens? Oh, night falls. Um, and this of course is when Jason has completed his track.
0: Killing corporate execs.
1: Yes. And he has made it back to, as Tommy says to him, it's still Crystal Lake. (laughs) And so, yes, he's back. He's back at Crystal Lake slash Forest Green. Um, And he's walking through the woods. Martin, the caretaker, is drunkenly stumbling through the woods. He is killed. There is, again, this random, like, just churn of victims. There's a couple picnicking out there. He has, I guess, just proposed. Oh, yeah. And they see Jason kill the caretaker, and they're like, oh my God. And they try to get away on their Vespa. (laughs) (laughs) And Jason impales both of them at the same time with his machete, and it's Mm -hmm. like, who even are you? (laughs) Um, But okay. And. This is also sort of when we get, um, it's also the night of the counselors who don't give a fuck. Yeah. Because uh, we begin with Court, who has just noped out from camp to go get laid with someone named Vicki? Vicki, I don't, it's not clear who she is. It's, I think her name is Vicky. Um, yeah, it's not clear who she is or what relation she has to any of the characters. Apparently she knows Court, though. Yeah. And he's gone to meet up with her, and they are having relations in uh, her RV, or the RV that she has... The called. RV that they have somehow... Yeah, she says that it belonged to her stepdad, I think, because she, like, yells at him about like later when he's driving it. or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um And they are having sex fully clothed. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Which is another thing that this movie has gotten attention for. I guess it's the only Friday the 13th film that has no nudity whatsoever. Um, I guess they producers talked about the actress who played uh, Vicky being topless in this scene, but she said no and McLaughlin didn't push it. Um, And it wasn't really like a part of his vision for the film. So there's no nudity. Um, And, but Jason arrives at the camper and he cuts the power. um, Which kills their mood music. (laughs) (laughs) And Vicky sends court outside to see what the deal is And court. I feel like it's played that like, for comedy, like, he's supposed to be, like, a coward because he doesn't want to go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's really definitely like, just him being sensible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's, like, he's, like, it's cold out. Like, I'm not going
1: out there. Yeah, like, it's cold and it's creepy, and they're in the middle of the woods. Um, and they find that, like, the wires have been damaged or whatever. So they're, like, they do, to their credit, are very sensibly. They're, like, let's get the hell out of here. So court starts driving the camper away, But it's too late, because at this point, Jason has snuck onto the RV, um, and he's hiding in the bathroom. And while Court is recklessly driving and listening to music, he snatches Vicky and kills her in the bathroom. And then he uh, slowly creeps up on the driving court and stabs him through the neck? No, head. I think he stabs him through the head. With... um, With what I guess is a knife that he took from the executives. (laughs) Anything that he has that you're not sure where he got it, it
0: came from the executives.
1: It came from the executives. (laughs) Yo, Um, Yeah, and then the RV crashes and there's sort of like an explosion and some fire and then Jason comes busting out of it, (laughs) out of it by Ripping the door off, and he does this like funny, like, um, what's the chicken from Moana's name or the rooster? Uh, um, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. He does a total like hey, hey thing where he like pops out of the RV and like looks around, like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, what's next?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but because this is rather a large accident that draws some attention, uh, this finally um catches the eye of the sheriff and the Forest Green Police Department um and so the accident is reported to Garris and he the sheriff is like I'll tell you what this is this is Tommy Jarvis attempting us to conv- attempting to convince us that Jason Voorhees is back again and so he is committing murders in Jason's style mm-hmm. um and speaking of Tommy Jarvis, it's also at this point that he calls Megan because she is He oh, yeah. doesn't
0: call her, he calls the station right. and she's picking up the phone
1: She has also, also fucked off from her duties at the camp <laughs> She's just <dishonest.
0: laughs> she's not gonna be like a camp counselor anymore
1: yeah, She's just over it <sighs> um, And she is at the station where she's like where she was um, kind of just being like a huge bitch to her dad. (laughs) (laughs) And being like a real brat and then being like, why do you treat me like a child? (laughs) She's such a weird character. Um, But anyway, so then, yeah, Megan is at the station and her father goes off to tend to the accident, the discovery of the bodies. This is when Tommy calls from a payphone and she answers... And because she's so desperate for that Jarvis dick, (laughs) um, she agrees to go uh, pick up Tommy. And she's like, yeah, I believe you. Uh, Sure, Jason, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you tell me and I'm I'm, I'm on it. Uh, (laughs) And I think he's kind of like hesitant, but then he's also like, I do need... At least, like a way to get to the camp or find Jason. Yeah, some
0: some sometime between when he got dropped off on the other side of town, and now I think he has put together in his mind the plan to like trap Jason under the lake. He does not voice this for a while, right? (laughs) But it's clear now. He's like, I have to get to Camp Crystal Lake.
1: Yo, (laughs) so true. Um, because as he knows, Jason is now at Camp Crystal Lake. Um, in fact, he's at the camp proper after killing Court and uh Vicki. Um, this is the point where he arrives um, at the cabins and um, begins slightly stalking our characters who are there, which is all of the kids, and then the remaining counselors, Sissy and Paula.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, they are playing or Sissy is trying to get Paula to play like card games with her and Paula, who is the most sensible person like involved in this film. Um, and I feel like in any other Friday the 13th movie would be the final girl. Mm -hmm. Like she has those qualities and for some reason it's Megan. I don't know. It's very strange to me. Um, is still concerned that her sister hasn't shown up and that, like, Court and Megan have fucked off. <laughs> and uh, Paula doesn't want to play the card games with Sissy. Um, and then the kids scream and they go attend to them and they assure them that nothing is wrong, even though the little girl is like, but I heard something or I saw something. I can't remember what she says. Um, and then what happened? So to assuage
0: the fears of this child, she is told to say a prayer. (laughs) Um, So that's happening. Um, Meanwhile, uh, the sheriff and um, co-cops find various bodies and bits and pieces, and obviously they want to pin it on Tommy. Um, uh, Somehow... I guess Tommy and Megan are at the station when the sheriff comes back or they show up. Oh no. Okay. So they've got like a, they're looking, they're, they're like, okay, Tommy did this for sure. So now they have to like, they're like trying to leave town and they hit like a checkpoint and they're after Tommy. So like she, Megan, like tries to you know like smuggle Tommy throughout the town.
1: Yeah. Um
0: and they end up back at the police station and the sheriff shows up and is like um he did this um but you know they he's he, Tommy has an alibi. Like Megan is like no he was with me the whole time he couldn't have done it and the sheriff's still like whatever fucking lock him up. Um <laughs> and uh, they do and then um Tommy and Megan kind of pull a little like Bonnie and Clyde on the really annoying deputy.
1: He's so obnoxious. With his
0: little laser pointer gun.
1: What a weird addition, right?
0: (laughs) Are you that bad at shooting? Um, But anyway, they they get the keys from him and lock him inside the cell and head to Camp Crystal Lake because Tommy's got a plan, apparently. Um, I think it's at this point he says that he has to, like... Like, he knows that Jason's going back there and there's something about, like lake they have to trap him in the lake or something who knows okay. um but they head off towards Camp Crystal Lake um meanwhile Jason has gone about doing a murder um he kills he kills Paula and Sissy
1: yeah
0: um very violently he's there's a lot of again there's a lot of grabbing and like squeezing and ripping that happens there's in a lot of movie. movie um But um, it's
1: interesting because there's not like a lot of blood.
0: No, because I I think he even that's how he kills. Because next he kills Sheriff Garris by I think like ripping him apart essentially, but you don't really see it; you just hear it.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of like I don't even know what to call it, like mauling.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Sissy and Paula are killed. Jason ends up killing Garris and a couple other cops. Um, The children, like they got the kids into basically in like the lockdown drill of like, oh, go in the corner and that will be fine. Um, It'll be chill. So Tommy and Megan get there and Tommy is like, okay, I gotta gotta get about to the lake. He's like on a boat with a chain or whatever, trying to lure Jason out. Jason goes for Megan. He gets Jason's attention. Jason very creepily just starts walking towards him like into the lake like it's very very frightening
1: that is um, sequence.
0: he walks towards like he walks into the lake and he's walking towards um tommy obviously the lake eventually is too tall and he starts walking under like we lose sight of jason it gets really freaky tommy's on the boat with his chain like waiting to like basically put it you know like use it he's got like a piece of cinder block or a rock on the bottom that he's gonna use as an anchor and he's waiting he's waiting jason and a fire is lit
1: it's i i'm still not entirely sure
0: the lake catches on fire
1: right because tommy like even though his plan is i guess to put jason back at the bottom of the lake like has gasoline with him
0: yeah so he lights the lake on fire. The lake's on fire while this is happening. Jason pops out of the water. Him and Tommy have a scuffle. Megan's freaking out on the shore with the kids. Freaking the kids out because she's freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, they scuffle. Tommy and Jason both go under. Tommy manages to get like the chain around like Jason's neck and drops the rock. And Jason is now trapped. But Jason's like holding on to Tommy. And they're scuffling. And they're kicking. And there's water and all this other stuff. And... Eventually, um, they both sort of quote-unquote drown. Um, like Jason stops struggling and Tommy clearly like has gone still and is just kind of floating and has drowned. Um, so, um, Megan rushes out to like rescue Tommy. Jason pops up. He grabs her. Um, she uses the boat motor. Um, that like does something like she activates the boat motor some way in f- that frees her. Yeah. Does something she, to the chain.
1: Yeah. Cause she like, m- she turns it around so that it like nicks his neck, I think. Yeah. Which allows her to get away. Yeah. Um,
0: and she somehow drags a fully grown man's dead body with her um onto the boat she brings tommy ashore all the children are around it's very dramatic um she does terrible incorrect cpr
1: she totally does it wrong
0: <laughs> and eventually he coughs awake and he's up and you know everyone's like oh this is so nice and he's like oh it's over it's finally over um traumatized children many dead cops it's over though, don't worry. Um, uh, and then, of course, under the water, we zoom in on uh, Jason's floating body, and he opens his eyes, and he's down there waiting patiently. Uh, First, next, his next time Ooh. for his part seven,
1: Ooh.
0: and we don't see Tommy Jarvis again.
1: No, <laughs> no, we
0: don't. I have to assume they <sighs> lived happily ever after.
1: I guess so. Again. <laughs> the worst final girl ever. Yeah. I just don't understand why Megan
0: I was- is like a free rider. Like everyone else does the work and she just latches on to like Yeah. That.
1: She like doesn't care about the camp. She leaves the kids alone and like she's not all that helpful. She's though.
0: answering police that- potentially 911 calls like in the <laughs> sheriff's office at, like a dick. <laughs>
1: Do yeah, like a dick, like doing it really snooty, and it's like, uh, why are you just like, I don't know. I'll just cause she like is horny, I guess. (laughs) Yes. Um, Um,
0: But yeah, so it wasn't a a different take on um,
1: the series. Yeah, this is an interesting movie what do you like what do you think of it do you like it like what i I mean i find it enjoyable i mean i find the
0: parts i find enjoyable are not so much the traditional camp parts even but like the parts with tommy and megan and um the sheriff and and those bits because those feel kind of like more traditional horror-esque if that makes sense yeah so yeah, that's that's a good point. And I mean I'm a fan of the I mean, I don't I prefer to keep Slashers and Supernatural separate, but I also like evoking sort of the universal monsters um
1: part of it. Yeah. And I think like because of that And that choice, like the way things go, like this is the film where Jason becomes like the superhero, right, Mm -hmm. of this franchise. And now it's about him. Mm -hmm. And I think starting with this movie, now the audience is meant to root for Jason as killer rather than rooting as for the the characters and the campers. Yeah. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Now we're looking, like, the characters are growing more and more obnoxious. We're almost, like, looking forward to the kills. Yeah. Um, Whereas before, especially in the really early films, like, we got to know those characters a lot more. And it, like, it meant something when they were dispatched. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Which I think is a product of the times more so than anything else because that's kind of... um... I feel where it was going at that point in the 90s, well, the late 80s into the 90s, and then eventually you have things like, which leads to things like Final Destination, where it's all about, like, oh, what gruesome way can we kill these people?
1: Mm-hmm. And Saw,
0: and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But now it, it, Yeah, it's like, that shift to, like, what's the body count? What's the, the coolest kill? Um... And there are some cool kills. I like the one with Vicky in the RV when he, like, shoves her face through the wall.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and there's some effective scares. I think you brought up the – when Jason is walking into the water. Yeah, that's creepy. That's really creepy. Um, there's this scene where the second time, I think, that Paula is putting the – girl back to bed Mm -hmm. and she's like, Oh, everything's going to be fine. You know? And like, we're, we're focused on them. And then Paula stands up and we follow her with the camera and Jason is in the window. Yeah. But she doesn't see him. That's creepy. Um, and that's effective. I thought, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's some cool things going on here. I think the, the addition of the kids in general, um, is it interesting idea just cause it ups the stakes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it like gives you all these menacing possibilities. Like, is he going to target the kids? I don't know that it fully works because he doesn't really.
0: Yeah. Like there's one scene where he breaks into the cabin and the kids freak out and run away, but he like just has no interest in them. It seems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, there's those weird, there's some weird jokes that the kids make to like lighten the tension and I almost wonder if like those lines w- would have been played more seriously, if it would have been better for me, like,
0: mm-hmm. I don't
1: know, just kind of like, okay, having the children here is really interesting and you could do a lot with this, but then like, it doesn't really pan out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, all in all, I enjoy it. I think it's fun.
1: Yeah, it's fun. This is one of the most beloved entries in the franchise. There's a lot of people that call this one their favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not my favorite, but I like <laughs> it well enough. It's definitely, I mean, like, part five was so silly and cheap and disappointing mm-hmm. that, like, Watching this one next, it's like hell yeah.
0: <laughs> this one's just, I think, it's different and it's fun.
1: Yeah, and like I think because it's the first time that Jason is the undead, unstoppable monster. Like it's okay because it's still a novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's really after this point that like some of the Friday the Thirteenth movies like become kind of boring because the killer can't be killed. Um, aside from like apparently these strange obtuse rituals <laughs> that pop out of nowhere, like chaining him to the bottom of Crystal Lake. Yeah. So uh, nice. So, yeah.
0: Sweet. Sweet. All right. Well, that has been installment part six of. Friday the 13th. on Friday ah. the 13th. I don't think we have another Friday the 13th this year. So, this might be it for the year. I thought we did. Oh, no, you know what? This is only the... F- no, no, is it? Oh, maybe we do. Hold on, I'm going to look. We have two this year. I thought one already happened. Hey. Maybe it didn't.
1: Van. <laughs> is this going to take me to the...
0: Well, Mr. Craig is just doing that. I will list you some... Uh, places where you can get in contact with us and maybe tell us more about what you know about friday the 13th whether or not we have one this year or not another one this year or not um you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com you can tweet us at splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels if that is too difficult just type splatter chatter and we'll pop right up you can instagram us there's i guess there's no verb of instagram um, you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at splatterchatter666. You can interact with us on Tumblr on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. You can comment on Mr. Craigers' blog at splatter-chatter.com. And there's one more way you can get involved with us that Mr. Craigers knows all about.
1: Um, you can support the show by heading on over to patreon.com slash splatterchatter666 we would be internally grateful for any financial donations you could give to us. And don't worry, we've got all kinds of cool rewards to give you in return as a show of gratitude. But you know, if you're not in a position where you can do that right now, we will happily accept a rating or a review Mm -hmm. on Apple podcasts, SoundCloud or Stitcher. Yes. Um, Now to answer our question, there is a second Friday the 13th this year in November.
0: In November. Okay. I don't know why I thought it already happened. We've only been in here for three months.
1: I think it's because the last one was in December. Yeah. When we did part five. So it's like, it feels recent. Um, but yeah, so I guess um, come the fall near the end of the year, it looks like we will be covering Friday the 13th part seven The n- New Blood. Ooh. Uh,
0: but Which before is then, well, go A strange
1: on. entry. Oh, I was just gonna say it's just a strange one. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but before then, what will we be covering?
1: So before then, like truly before then, immediately. aka <laughs> okay, our next episode, um, in honor of Women's History Month, we are going to take a look at an interesting film from 2009 that was shat on upon release (laughs) and has a bit of a resurgence in recent months um, for its uh, feminist leanings. And um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about its uh, queer readings. And it's a little movie you may have heard of from 2009 starring Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, (laughs) Jennifer's Body.
0: Woo. (laughs)
1: Um, we have not really ever brought up Jennifer's body on the show
0: I actually only saw it for the first time about a year ago
1: yeah I think Jennifer was included in the ladies who crunch
0: yes I had just seen it around then
1: yeah and um, that may have really been the first time we've ever talked about the movie I also recently watched it not for the first time, but again, and was kind of blown away. At how
0: at, forward-thinking at, it was.
1: Yeah, at what this movie is. Because yeah. um, I don't think I'd seen it in between seeing it in theaters, in between seeing it recently. So Yes,
0: I think the Me Too movement really um, reinvigorated the way people look at this movie.
1: Yeah, so I think it's safe to say we're both pretty excited to yes. talk about it. Jennifer's body. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be our next episode in two weeks. But until that time, we want to remind you guys to keep up the creep um, as well as to wash your hands.
0: Yes, 20
1: seconds. <laughs> and for now, we are going to say au revoir, adios, and dulce.